0: We're starting off a new series called uh, Philippians, and um, which I just thought was so creative of me. To like, what are we going to call it? We're going through Philippians, and let's just won't we just call it Philippians? Uh, but this is one of my favorite books in the Bible, which is why I, I was really excited about uh, going through it. Um, but I wanted to start out with something that catches you right off the bat in this uh, letter that Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. And this is, Paul was basically their pastor, and, and he's writing this letter, and you can tell throughout the entire letter that he loves this church. He loves them dearly. He, he doesn't spend too much time in theology. He doesn't spend too much time rebuking them or correcting them. He's just joyful. As a matter of fact, he uses the term joy or rejoice 14 times more than any other uh, letter that he, he was in, but what stru- strikes me is this very first verse, which is basically a greeting, which is normal of, uh, in, in this uh, era to, to start off and to say, you know, who's the one writing and who are they writing to? And Paul does that as well, but he uses a word that he doesn't use any other place that when he's talking to this particular church. In a lot of ways, I was thinking as I was, I was going through this uh, In preparing this week, um, I started thinking, you know, this, and don't, I'm not going to cry or anything like that, but I started thinking, man, if I had to write a letter to Living Spring, if I was in prison, uh, first of all, I'm sorry, I didn't know that uh, that wasn't mine to take, but uh, if I were in prison, and, uh, and I was writing a letter, it would be something like this, something joy-filled, something like, I can't wait to see you, I can't wait to get out of prison, um, you know, pray for me, thanks for supporting me, you know, all, all these kinds of things, and, and, uh, and that's, what, that's what Paul does throughout this whole thing, but he starts out with this one word, how he identifies himself, and it's an incredible word that he uses, and I started thinking about it this week, how would I identify myself? You know, you, 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 you have an identity, right? And my identity has changed from the time I was a little kid to right now, when I was very little. My identity was class clown, <laughs> go figure. I'm way more mature now, so that's good. <laughs> wow, okay. Maybe my letter wouldn't be so nice. Okay. Uh, No, uh, it was class clown, and so I was known to make the whole class laugh, and I'd get in trouble, so I was known kind of as a troublemaker, and then, so that was in New Jersey, and then we moved to California, and uh, I was known, my identity was the kid with the New Jersey accent, (laughs) and that lasted about a month, and I'm like, I am not going to be known as that kid, and then uh, I had some friends, and then I got into high school, and I got into sports, and my identity was sports. I ran track, I played soccer, I played football, I, I Letterman's jacket, you know, my identity, I'm, I'm you know, I'm manly, I want to be captain, I want, you know, uh, loved getting together with guys and chanting things and, to, you know, just kind of, just yeah, go get them, that was my identity. And so I brought that identity of sports into college and went for the soccer team in college and realized very quickly that I should probably shed that identity because uh, I, I wasn't playing very much at all, and so then my identity came like getting through college, like I'm a college student, and so at my summer jobs, I'd go, and um, uh, and they, they, uh, I worked for an air conditioning company for four years, and uh, they, I basically I was just a grunt, and they called me college boy, and I was like the guy who was going to graduate from college, and then I graduated from college, and Lisa and I got married right out of college, and my identity changed to husband, and that became a big part of my identity, and I liked saying, well, my wife and I, you know, yeah, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship like that or you get a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever and you can say you know my girlfriend or my boyfriend and there's just like this identity this new identity that happens and by the way if you, I'm sure you saw on Facebook but Lisa and I just celebrated 30 years of marriage so it's it's actually on Monday it's actually tomorrow but I'll be flying to Africa tomorrow and so uh, by myself and I thought that would be a bad look to be like yeah it's our 30th anniversary I'm gone right no I But yeah, 30 30 awesome, awesome years. And so that was my identity. And then I remember um, one day Lisa came home and she had pink lipstick on. And uh, she said, Do you notice anything different? I'm like, No, but that is hot. (laughs) Okay. And uh, I don't know if I said that exactly, but um, she's like, Pink lipstick, you know? Like, you know, guess why? Because. I guess that's the color the pregnancy test turns when you're pregnant, and so um, she's like, she's like, I took a pregnancy test today, and, I'm like, and it came with lipstick. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I didn't know that it came with a free thing of lips. Like you get what? Like which lipstick you're gonna wear, right? Because like, anyway, so um, so we so she was pregnant, and I remember hugging her. She was so excited, and we were hugging. And I just closed my eyes, and I was like, honestly, I thought this, my life is ruined. <laughs> like, like, we just ruined, it, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but now, like, there's going to be a baby in the house. Like, what are we going to do about camping and going out to dinner? Like, what about the fun? Like, like, like and, and so, and then, my, and then the baby was born. And you know how, I mean, for anyone who's been there, maybe you just became an uncle or an aunt or, or whatever, or you're, you're, you know. And it's like, oh, my identity changed. I'm a dad. And, like, that has been such a huge part of my identity. I'm a, I'm a husband and a dad and class clown. But, uh, <laughs> like, that, that became my identity. And then we started to get the kids started to marry off and go to college. And all of a sudden, my identity became empty nester. <laughs> like, like, I actually introduce myself like that, you know, hi, I'm John, I'm an empty nester, you know, and, um, and then the other person, if they're an empty nester, because there's a secret handshake and everything, um, they'll go, Is, isn't it cool, I'm like, it's amazing, <laughs> so it's awesome, so uh, all these times my identity changed, and then, and then in, and out of college I went into business, and, and like being successful in business was a big part of my identity, and then I quit that, and I became pastor. It even has a title, Pastor John, and that became a part of my identity. Now, the apostle Paul could have used anything to describe him. As a matter of fact, in lots of these letters, he'll introduce himself, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to whoever it is. But in this particular one, Paul uses a word, and this word has been haunting me all week long. And it's a word that the NIV translates very poorly. The New American Standard translates it better. Um, And I don't know if the translators were just nervous about the word because the word's not really that great. You wouldn't really want to identify yourself as this. You'd want to get out of this. But Paul just grabs that word and he says, this is my identity. And the reason it's been haunting me is because I don't think it's my identity yet. I don't think I can say this. If I started my letter to you guys, I don't think I could start it this way. I would say something like, Paul, pastor of Living Spring in chains or something like that, you know. Uh, But here's the word. He's writing with his friend Timothy and he says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. Slaves of... Of Jesus Christ what does it mean to be a slave of Jesus Christ in America we are so set on uh, John I'm sorry it actually worked but I just couldn't see it there <laughs> We're so individualistic. We're so rights-driven. We're so like, you know, that's not fair and this is fair and all this kind of stuff. And Paul just comes right out and he says, I'm a slave to Christ. Slaves don't get to do anything they want to do. When I wake up in the morning, I go and grab a cup of coffee from my little Keurig pod. Slaves don't do that slaves get up and they make coffee for their masters i decide i say alexa what does my schedule look like today and alexa tells me as a matter of fact i went through this sermon in my garage this morning and i went through this alexa what's my schedule look like today and in my garage you hear your day looks pretty clear today (laughs) you have church and a meeting afterwards would you like me to open your calendar? I'm like, no, stop, shh, Lisa's asleep, right? So I just thought that was funny. Uh, I thought I'd share it with you for some reason, but, uh, and so, like, like, I ask Alexa, and then I decide, I look at my schedule, and I decide, nah, I might cancel that, well, maybe I'll insert this, maybe, what, what time should I have lunch? I wonder, slaves don't get to do that. When do I have lunch? Slaves don't get to do that. How am I going to spend my money? Slaves don't get to do that. Am I going to buy that and and, and get one day shipping or two days? No, slaves don't get to do any of that. Paul jumps right out. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul has gotten to the place where all his decisions are made for him. Paul has gotten to the place where he realizes none of his money is his own. Paul has gotten to the place where he can be in chains and rejoice. He says it in this here, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. He says, we'll read it coming up, that he says, he doesn't care whether he's in chains or not. It's all turned out for the betterment of the gospel. Paul has been able to get to a place in his relationship with Jesus where he can be self-identified as a slave to Christ. And the thing I was thinking about this week is, I really want to get there. I really want to get to that place. Here's what he says. He says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you all, I always pray with joy. I was thinking about that again when I was thinking about you guys, Living Spring. And if you're new, we consider you family already. Um, But when we get those prayer requests, like Jonathan was talking about on that prayer card, we pray for every single one of those every single week. And I don't know if you guys know this, but when we get the sheet printed out, your picture is there, which I ripped off of Facebook uh, and uh, put it into the database. And so I can actually see your face as I pray for you and I pray with joy. And I pray with joy for the same reason that Paul prays with joy. He gives the reason right here, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a partnership that happens. We've we've talked about it this morning. We'll be doing backpacks, stuffing backpacks this week. And you guys have been so generous to help poor kids in Garden Grove, the poorest kids in Garden Grove, that our 25 schools have identified as the ones being neediest. You have partnered with Living Spring in order to provide them backpacks. We talk about Toys for Tots. Now the number's up to, how did it get to 900 to 1,000 kids? I, I wasn't even consulted. I thought it was 700. But apparently now it's 900 or 1,000. That's incredible. Uh, you're worse than Cece, Jonathan. She would, she'd keep adding, what's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so. That, that's a partnership. That's a partnership. You know, when you fill out your connection cards, right? And then I get a list and I get to follow up with people. Every time you fill out one of those connection cards, it's a partnership in the gospel. I love this. For those of you who aren't partnering yet, it is a big part of your spiritual journey to serve, to give, to be a partner. And this is what Paul is so uh, happy about, this partnership in the gospel. And then he says this statement, it's very famous. In Philippians 1.6, some people get this tattooed on their arm or whatever and Um, and it is just like such a rich blessing upon his church. This is my prayer for you. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, this is my prayer for you. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You need to own this. If you're watching online, you need to own this. That God begins these things in us. Begins these journeys in us and he will not let you go until it's been Completed. He loves you too much. And for those of you who feel like you're in your journey and you've fallen down too much, you've backslidden too much, you've rejected God, maybe you're coming back to church for the first time, you're going, man, my life didn't work, I don't even know if he'll accept me, I don't even know if the church, if I'll get struck by lightning, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen. He who began a good work And you will carry it on to completion. This idea of work, it's Ergon, and it has uh, three separate different meanings. But the one that is used here is this piece of artwork. He's began this process. My daughter does pottery. She's like super gifted at it. I don't know how, but. um, And she'll just take this piece of clay. And she'll have this image in her mind. And she'll take the clay and. Bam! put it on that wheel. Knead it and soften it. Get it all ready to go. Smooth it out. Work it. Put water on it till it's the right consistency. And then that wheel begins to spin. And she begins to put pressure on it and pressure on it. And she'll dig her fingers in until it begins to take shape. But that began as a lump of clay. It began as a work that he began to do. You are that way. Not that you're a lump. Okay, I didn't say that. I tell, when We had a bunch of people all sitting together right here before the service started. There were like six of them. And I said, oh, you guys are a clump. And they didn't like that. They didn't like <laughs> being called. I said, a clump of lumps. No, I didn't, I didn't do it. That. <laughs> but that's how we all start out, as this clump. And we begin to say, God, like we, like we sang this morning, you can have it all. You can have it all. And he begins to start the pressure. And then we say, ooh, that kind of hurts. I'll tell you what. Why don't you just make me into a nicer clump? You, know, you don't need to actually like dig stuff out of my life and keep me spinning around and pressuring me. And, and it, when it doesn't look quite right, he might tear a piece off and put another piece on. He's begun that work in you. If you have said, I, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus, you're on the wheel. You think to myself, you know what? I've been a follower of Jesus for 10 years. I should look like a better bowl than I am. (laughs) It's okay. He who began a good work in you, began that process, is going to be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is not going to let you go. Here's my main point for this morning. Our journey with Jesus is more about progress than perfection. If you were at a church or you grew up in a Christian environment or you had to be perfect, you had to make it look like your life was all in order or else you'd be judged, I ask your forgiveness on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in Scripture that says that. Now, what there is in Scripture that says, live a righteous life, that's the goal. And it's the goal because we want to be more like Jesus. Now, our denomination is free Methodist. And uh, we have this theology or 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 called entire sanctification. That the goal is that you will get to a place of discipline in your life and love for Jesus, a slave to Christ, as Paul is saying, that being that if you're not sinning, it doesn't feel like you're missing out. That's the goal, because that's what Christ was like. That's Jesus. And so but what we did Decades ago in our denomination, because humans just mess things up—that's what we do. We took this idea of sanctification, and we said you can actually be sinless in this lifetime, like you can actually not sin, which is okay. okay I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. I haven't met anyone yet, especially not at Living Spring, but um, <laughs> it, like you can, like you can actually get get there. And so what they would do is like I would stand up and I'd give my testimony and I'd say, hey, my name's John. I was saved on, uh, like, June 14th, 1972, and I was entirely sanctified on September 12th, 1986. And so you do the math, and you're like, dude hasn't sinned for, like, 23 years? Well, hats off. Way to go. Way to go. But the day I stand up before you and say I'm entirely sanctified, I just sinned. So then I'm not. I have to start the clock over again right? It's, it's impossible, but it's a goal. It's this progress. He who began a good work in you, are you, are you, are you laying it down, that, saying, okay, God, you can mold me the way you want to mold me? My daughter comes to the clay with an idea of what it's going to look like at the end, and she begins the process, and then she's satisfied when it looks like what she wanted it to look like. And God loves you and is satisfied with you, but he's not satisfied with letting you sit as a lump of clay. He who began a good work in you will complete it. He will be faithful to mold you, to shape you, not to judge you, but to keep pressing you along. Our journey with Jesus is more progress than perfection. How are you doing this week as opposed to last week? Not how come you're you still mess up he goes on he says it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since i have you in my heart and whether i'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel all of you share in god's grace with me then he says this god can testify how i long for you all with the affection of christ jesus I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. This resonates with me so much. Uh, again, not to get all gushy or all up in my feelings, but um, I, man, that's how I feel about being the pastor at Living Spring, this affection of Christ Jesus. And here's his prayer. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. That your love may abound more and more. Now, when you think about that, you, you can kind of, like it sounds kind of hippie right (laughs) like yeah man we just love this is all about the love i just love that's all i do do i sound like a hippie is that what hippies sound like i don't know (laughs) it sounds like i like just woke up (laughs) Uh, love Uh. okay that's your love maybe but but he adds this next phrase which is so cool because it's not that we're just called to love he says this, that your love may abound more and more in, not, in knowledge and depth of insight. And so you can actually love and have a, a, a word of rebuke because you love. And it doesn't have, it's not judgmental. It's just like, hey, dude, the way you're living, I'm just telling you, I used to live that way. It's going to be a dead end. I, just, I love you. I'm just going to warn you. It needs to change. That relationship that you're in, I can just see it's not, that, I don't think that's what God has for you. See, there's love, but there's, it, it's, in, it's in the word of God. It's in knowledge and insight. It's taking our lives as a community, and uh, as, as we say all the time, you got up, you got dressed, and you got here. It's, it's better when you're here. We take this community of us, and then we study the word of God, and then we adapt our lives to what it's asking us to do. We lay ourselves on that on that pottery wheel and we say go for it whatever you want you can have it all make make whatever there's a verse in the bible that talks about what does the clay say to the potter like hey, i, I don't i don't like what you've, you're making like the clay can't do, can't do that it's the potter And that's how we we live our life, in this knowledge and depth of insight. And then as we study the word of God and we begin to make changes in our lives, it's hard. And then we come beside each other again in love and we go, I know you're struggling in this, but you're doing great and we're going to see you through that. That is the church. And this is Paul's prayer for them. And it's my prayer for you. So that you may be able to discern what is best And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Being able to discern what is best. You know what I love about this? He doesn't say right or wrong. Right? I mean, the Bible gets accused of that, that it's just all about do's and don'ts, and there's certainly some do's and don'ts in there. But what God wants for you is your best. As you lay your life on that pottery wheel and he begins to mold you, what he wants to do is shape you to be your best. And that's done in a loving community with knowledge and insight. That you may be able to discern it. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And then he, he goes on and he's, he talks about what it's like to be in chains and what it's like to... to Um, uh, you know some people are preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition and then others are doing it out of uh, just love and he's like it doesn't matter just as long as the gospel's being preached and you just see this heart of Paul of just like this man who's in chains but he understands that his identity his position is slave to Christ so there's nothing that can happen to him that could be any worse he's already given up his life And so we get a few more verses down into verse 19, and he talks about how he's rejoicing in this, and it's like, you're in chains, you might die, you might not be able to see the church you love anymore, and he says, I rejoice, and he goes on, he says, yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, he's talking about his deliverance from chains, but... He also realizes that that might not be what God wants. See, when you're a slave and you say, I give over my life, you're also giving up your hopes and your dreams. What ends up happening is the Bible says that God begins to give you the desires of your heart. And that verse is not, we've talked about this before, it's not that I desire a Ferrari, and so he's going to give it to me, because that's the desire of my heart, and God just goes, oh, okay, there you go, and in my, garage, in my driveway, that was I Dream of genie, by the way, uh, and uh, in my driveway is a Ferrari. He says, no, 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 I'm going to take that desire out, and I'm going to give you the desire of your heart, and so, uh, it, so he realizes that even though he wants to be delivered from chains, from prison, who doesn't, that might not happen. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed but, that, uh, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. He is, has this mentality that whatever happens to him, it's going to be okay. It starts out with the mentality of saying, my life is not my own anyway. My finances aren't my own anyway. My health isn't my own anyway. My relationships aren't. He makes this incredible, incredible statement next that I just, I've been thinking about it all week long. I can't get it out of my mind. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain and I'm telling you church I I'm not there yet like like I want to see my grandkids I want to like I have all these I want to retire someday I only have 600 more sermons to go and I can retire I'm super happy about that um <laughs> like 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 is my do I wake up and go and like truly say to live is Christ I want to get there. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Like if I die, it's even better. I'm telling you, I am not there. I like to live. I want to. I eat every meal, and I breathe. I, I want to be around. But he says, no, no, no. It's not worth being around if you aren't so embedded in Christ that each day you're walking with him. He fleshes this out for us if i am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labor for me in other words i get to get stuff done i'm like that's the side i'm on (laughs) okay it'll mean fruitful labor for me yet what shall i choose i don't know i could die and be with jesus that'd be fine or i could live and be with jesus i could just live and just keep working at the church, and working on the churches, you know, he's saying, if I get out of prison, I can do some other things, I write letters, all this kind of stuff, but he gets to the place in his life with Jesus. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you for all your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And then he says this, going back to holiness. Whatever happens. You know, I wonder if he paused as he was writing, and he's thinking about, man, I don't know. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I don't know if I, wanna, if I just want to call it quits and just go be with Jesus, but I love this church so much. I just love this church. I, 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 I want to stay. I want to you know, watch them grow. I want to do all that. He says, whatever happens, though, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens with Paul, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know what that means, basically? Keep going. Just keep going. It's a journey. You're on the potter's wheel. For those of you who feel like you've failed God, keep going. Take another step. Ask him for forgiveness. He can start the wheel up again. He's going to take those stumbling blocks in your life he's going to turn them into stepping stones if you're at a place where you don't feel like you're worthy of being loved by god that's a lie the enemy would love to have you feel that way if you feel like you've walked through these doors and everybody here seems to have it all together and and you know they don't they couldn't if they if they knew you, If they knew the true you, they would reject you. It's a lie. It's a lie from Satan wanting to isolate you. Your value is priceless because he who began a good work in you, who decided to grab you and say, We're going to do something special, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. No matter how many times your clay goes flying all around the room and he's got to go put it all back on the wheel. He's there for you. As the worship band comes back up, I want to ask you a couple questions. Questions I was asking myself this week as I head out onto a plane and head into Kenya. I'm very excited about going. Uh, we'll see um, the village that we all supported. We raised uh, $3,600 to start this church in this village called Senet uh we'll i'll see that village i'll meet the pastor uh we take uh we'll come back to nairobi then we'll go back out on these little plains um and uh hit uh visit two orphanages and we'll have lunch with one of the pastors there and then we'll be hitting some other villages to see the, the ministry uh that we've been doing that you have been partnering with us in the gospel you've been partnering some of you support eli um, uh, empowering lives international on your own just as a family that's partnering in the gospel some of you support heavenly treasures which is another ministry that we'll be, we'll be looking at um, you're partnering with the gospel Lisa and I support these two kids and uh, uh, Mushaka and Vincent and I get to go see them I get to like visit them I have soccer balls for them uh, my, my, my suitcase is filled mostly with toys <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, clothes, that's good. This is all part of partnering with the gospel. But here's the question I was asking myself all week. What's holding you back from being a slave? What's holding you back from giving it all? Is there, is it fear? Is it fear of, well, if I give that up, then what am I going to do? How am I going to cope? How am I going to, Spend my time. I have a, What is it? What's holding you back from being a slave to Christ? What, what's holding you back to be able to declare for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain? And so as Taylor leads us in this final song, that's my question. That's the question that I can't answer for you. You can't answer for me. Only God can answer it. And so my prayer is that as we go into this quieter time of worship that you would hear the voice of God. But he would tell you exactly what it is, what's getting in the way of him being able to mold you and shape you this work that he's begun that he'll be faithful to complete until the day of Christ Jesus. We also take this time to fill out our connection cards and we invite you to do that. We want to get one from every household and if there's something that you're praying for, maybe it's this, even this issue and you want us to pray, you say, you know what, My, this, a relationship is holding me back from becoming a slave. and let us help you pray for that. And if this is a week that you give, we, you can prepare your offering at this time. At the end of service, we just take all those connection cards and offering, and we put them in a box in the back. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, what makes it appealing to be a slave is the faithfulness of our master, the love of our master the trust we can place in our master, the faith that we can have in our master, knowing that whatever difficult things that we are asked to give up or include into our lives, the master can provide, the master can direct, that the kingdom that he's preparing would come on earth, we would be a part of it, we would participate in the gospel. So, Lord, I pray for those that as we begin to pray and ask for your guidance, that we'd hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.